Greetings, art world. This is Kofi Fosu-Forsen, here for Noah Becker's White Hot Magazine's Art World. And today I'm talking to Joe Dabisha, British artist and curator. How are you, Joe? I'm okay, just a little bit cold. That's why I'm all wrapped up now. <laughs> <laughs> How has the new year been going for you so far? Been good. Been been busy. Um, busy in the house. Busy doing a little bit more artwork. I'm focusing more on sort of woodwork and that type of stuff. So, um, been keeping myself busy doing that. Yeah, the past year and a half saw us collaborating with Gaina Sweeney, yeah, George Land, and uh, Goth Arts. The first project we did was Love Activism. What was your initial impression? for that collaboration. The original idea for the collaboration was Gaina Sweeney having me write a text, a literary yeah. text about love, and and therefore had you, jo um, George and Goth Art and Gaina herself interpret my literary text. What was your impression of that project overall? Well, in fact, your sort of your work sort of inspired me because I was really thinking of what could I do for this, and I'm on the autism spectrum, um, Asperger's. So you know, most uh, most people don't know unless I point it out. But um, probably my interpretation was going to be very different from from everybody else's. So I run my ideas by Gainer, um, looked at what you did, um read everything and then sort of got on with with my work and 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 sort of took it took it from there the two pieces of art you submitted were urban euros and urban madonna were these found objects in your walkabout in liverpool how did you come about these objects I do a lot in my sort of locality and, and the streets that we live in. Because um, it's the inner city, I'll go around tidying up. So there's plant beds and things in the streets, so I'll tidy up. So I'll come across found objects and stuff, and I'll uh, try and incorporate it into my work because it's, it's part of my life. If you think of the flannel or the city walker, when I'm tidying up, that's what I'm doing. I'm thinking of what I can create, and I'll try and incorporate what I find into, in, into my art, you know. Yes, um, the, the word urban comes up quite a bit with you. Yeah. How is the um, idea of the um, structuring of the urban context and the social cultural context relevant to your research as an artist? I think with me, because I grew up in the in, inner city, um, particularly like in, in the 80s and 90s, it was classed as a little bit deprived when, when I live it very close to Liverpool city centre. Um, and it's always been there. It's always been sort of inherent. It's 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 part of your life and part of what you grow up with. And I moved away for a little bit and then I came back again. Um, I always live our streets right by Liverpool's waterfront, the River Mersey. So that sort of urban in a city environment is, is always inherent in the way because I think it's just such a big part of me, you know. Yeah. It's just always there. It's quite fascinating. I want to explore more about the urban context with you further on. Uh, this also brings me back to our second collaboration, which was the Sentience Project, which took part, uh, you took part in, and I took part in it as well, along with George Lund and Goth Arts. Um, sentience is a word Gaina Sweeney has um, 
brought up in our dialogue over the years, and this was the first time she had broached that subject as a collaboration. What is your interpretation of the term sentience and how did you apply yourself in pre presenting some work for this project? I mean, yeah, I, I think my my understanding was a little, probably a little bit different from, from everybody else's. So for me, it was sort of, I, I mentioned earlier on, uh, I'm focusing more on, on, on working with wood. And I think that comes from the mix of the urban environment, doing the local gardens. And I started carving and making things out of, out of wood. Because um, we were in winter, I'm thinking of, I was thinking of the heater concept, you know, and, and keeping warm and, and using natural materials. Um, um, so for me, and probably because I am on the spectrum, that's what it meant to me. It, it was I'm, I'm very into textures and how things feel. There's certain textures I can't wear because of the condition I've got, you know, and I feel like I'm being itchy and, and and that type of thing. And it's the same when I'm doing gardening. So for me, my interpretation of of the Sentience project was was that. So I focused on, as you know, um, I'd made like sort of urban industrial um, wooden shelves that was incorporated what was left out of the wood I'd carved these like um, wooden balls and that type of thing so it was sort of for me it, it was linked in with that Higa uh, concept as well where I want to keep warm I want to you know have a nice quiet peaceful environment I like using natural materials so for me it was probably a different interpretation to everyone else's but for me I like to shut the world out once I've done my little thing and I've, I've walked around the area and you know and I think it, it comes a lot from that you know yeah how did you how did you react to the final version of the project where again I had your piece, my piece, Goth Art's piece, George's piece. Um, I think Gaina had an opening at her space. Were you yeah. present at that space? I, I wasn't. At, I wasn't at the time. I know she filmed it and, and I'd seen what, what she'd done. Um, but no, it, it was quite interesting. And, and I like her take on it because she's incorporated everything we all did. Um, it just gave a different take on, on everybody's individual work, didn't it? You know? Yeah. I want to take a step backwards, and um, I brought up again Evelyn Sweeney's name quite a bit here. Yeah, you all go back to the establishing of the cultural initiative Transvoyeur. Um, take me back to that time in the early two thousands. Your role as an artist, manager, and curator for Transvoyeur. What was that yeah. time like for you, working with Gaina within that spectrum of Transvoyeur? But it was a, it was quite an interesting time because, uh, funny enough, I'd, I'd started curating a um, a space called the Egg Space Cafe, and it's a it's a vegan vegetarian cafe in Liverpool, very small art space. Um, a certain type of people go there, and Gainer's boyfriend at the time he curated before I did there, um, and it and it was interesting that the guy Steph, who used to represent the artist Jamie Reed, who's recently died, you know, God Save the Queen, the, the punk art, um, he used to represent Jamie there, and you know, you'd sometimes see Jamie uh, come into the cafe, and Steph would be there doing his production work and and that type of thing. And it was Steph who asked me when when Gaynor's ex boyfriend left, did I want to curate this? So I started doing that. Um, <laughs> and you you know it wasn't like um, it was just oh yeah I can do it I, the, not much thought went into it I was a lot younger I thought oh yeah I'll be good so I met a lot of eclectic artists but 
that's where Gaynor and I met because she was interested in what I was doing. And and she said, oh, do you want to be part of this group? And that's how I got involved with, with Trans Voyeur. And um, I, I started meeting different artists to the to the artist I'd met in the Egg Cafe, um, which was quite interesting because, you you know, you'd meet the, like a punk artist, a very famous punk artist to the kids on the street who just wanted to create art, a, a graffiti artist. And you'd meet all these eclectic type of people and then Gainer's sort of trans voyeur project was a little bit more structured and a, a little bit more sort of I, I don't, don't want to say serious but but that's probably the best word I've got at the moment you know she, she she took it more you know she approached it more academically and it was a lot more structured where uh, in the in the cafe we take every different type of artist who wants to come along and be part of it you know and it was a little bit different then so we'd always get like a concept of or, or an idea what she wanted us to to work towards and um, all these different artists would come together you know and and we 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 put on a, quite a lot of exhibitions you're talking the early 2000s so um there was quite a lot of of exhibitions we'd even showed in and we donated to the local hospital so some of us have got like artwork in the private collection there um yeah, so there was quite a lot of different projects. One of them, I think it was um, in Cologne in Germany. Another one, um, I think it was the state side. You might remember that. Um, I know one of them, when I bought this house um, back in 2006, we'd even showed here because we'd stripped the wallpaper back. And when I was stripping the wallpaper back, you, you these houses were built, I think, 1905, 1906. So you were stripped stripping back history and it was a, I know you'd sent some work and, and we put it up um, so we used the house as well as, as a gallery and we were quite creative and then in the house I had my loft which you call I think you call attic don't you in, in, in the States I'd had that converted as an art studio so we used that as a temporary gallery called the loft space gallery and every now and then uh, over the years we've used it we, we've recently talked about reviving it and doing something for yourself me goth artist um gainer george um but we're still talking about that at, at the moment so yeah i got involved in different ways and, and i think with gainer she gives you the the space to breathe and come up with ideas and present them to her um if you wanted to curate a particular um you know, a particular topic or a particular sort of form of art and she's open to listening to you and, and stuff. And I think with all these, we've all, we're all different artists, but we're all quite supportive of each other's work. So it, it's quite a good collective, if you like. It's quite amazing. And I thank you for such an in-depth explanation of what Transvoyeur was at the time. It has certainly been an important part of my life. Um, the word transfer is defunct now and it takes on a whole new meaning on the yeah. internet. But you brought up the loft space, you brought up the project you did with me from New York to Liverpool and back again. This was a show of my prints, theatrical monologue, um, loops, and a video film cushion pill. What was that time like putting up the show of mine? Whose idea was it to curate uh, my one man show? I think at the time I was, because um, I'd set up the loft space, I think we wanted different, you know, to, to sort of give people a platform to do a solo show where they might not be getting the big galleries and, and that type of thing. So um, 
haven't liked your work and, and you know, I've worked with you through Transboyer and stuff. I just thought, how can we get Kofi's work over from the States to the UK to Liverpool? So, you know, obviously you and I had conversations. We had conversations with Gaynor. I remember your pictures of the females. That was part of it. And 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 at some point you were modeling my t-shirts where you with the with the art and and that type of thing. And I, I just thought, you know, it'd be a good idea to get some of the transvoyer artists, and particularly yourself, to be involved in this. And I think the thought had to be, how are we going to get Kofi's work over? How are we going to do it but we done it didn't we and 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 um, you know it, it got quite a quite a good um interest in, in in that work and it was like how did you get this artist over here yeah it was uh an important um part of my progress as an artist to have that establishment within that liverpool spectrum you're living in liverpool currently are you yeah yeah yeah, I think about 2008 when Liverpool was voted as a capital of culture. Were you around at the time? Yeah, yeah, we were still doing a lot of work. I mean, two years prior, we, we'd had like a, a performance art a piece that we did with Gaynor. We'd done, we'd done quite a lot on Matthew Street, which is known for the Beatles. Uh, there was an art gallery there. I think it was The View 2. And, and we put work on there as, as a group. And then progressively from about 2004 till about 2010, we were putting on like quite a lot of shows um, uh, and being supportive of each other. And and so when you think back of it, you, you know, you think that, that these people like yourself and Michael were getting involved in 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 um, projects in in Liverpool, and we were getting in, involved in projects in in New York, where we wouldn't necessarily have that platform. Had Transvoya not been there, you know. Yeah, and that was the link that connected Liverpool to New York. Do you have any thoughts about the shared common histories between New York and Liverpool? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I I've, I've even got family history. I know uh, me. A great uncle of mine, he went ended up living in Pennsylvania, but he was a bit naughty and he'd ran off on his wife and met someone over in the States. And, and um, New York was one of the places he went to. So, you know, as I've explored my family history, there was that link for me personally uh, through, through the family. But there's also, you know, Liverpool's seafaring history because we'd get um, in Liverpool docks, we'd get all the blues music, all the rock and roll music. So America and, and places like Boston, New York represented that to us because it was probably the first port of call that people would go to. Um, and th there's that history as well. But I think, you know, we're, we're such a smaller country than, than, than your own, but I think there's similarities uh, in the cities, you know. There's that urban thing going on. There's the arty thing going on. Uh, we call it the world in one city in Liverpool. You definitely call New York that. I think you're probably a little bit more cosmopolitan and it's bigger and it's known wider in the art world. We're known quite a lot for music via the Beatles and various Maisie group uh, bands and people who followed on in history. Um, but there's, there's similarities and I think that's why our projects work really well. Yeah, definitely. You, you speak a lot about the city and how it's important to the artist. And um, you further explored that in your project, When the City Speaks. And I know that yeah. When the City Speaks is something that you will be known for as time passes. Um, please share with me the project When the City Speaks and how you came about that project. 
Okay, well, I've always had trouble sleeping. So when the city speaks, it, it means a couple of things. So I'd be awake like two, three o'clock in the morning. And and I think at the time we were working on Transboy, I was thinking of New York as well, because, you know, New York, the city that doesn't sleep and, and that type of thing. And I was weaving in the con concepts of, of that. Um, and because I'm very much like a city walker doing the flannel thing, seeing what's going on, I like walking around to, to get that type of inspiration and that type of thing. So the city spoke to me in that sense, you know, via inspiration and things that projects I got involved in much later on after Transboya, like I was saying, I, I got involved in a project that helped set up called Bread Streets. These are the local streets where, where I live. And it was basically tidying up an urban area by putting plants in the plant beds and cleaning up a uh, dog muck, dog poop, cleaning up, you know, uh, and, and again, linked to New York, not the political side of it, but, you know, back in the 70s, 80s, when there was a big crime rate in New York and, and um, you know, the concept of the broken window theory, um, things like that. I was thinking about recently in some of the recent projects I've done because we, we were tidying up the urban area and trying to encourage people, you know, not, not to, to wreck the area, not to sort of graffiti everywhere. And there was sort of echoes of that, you know. Yeah. Um... This project was a collaborative project as well. Um, who are some of the artists you collaborated with, myself included? Who are some of the other artists you collaborated with? Um, Gaino, Gaino was one of them, George, always, always George. And George, as you know, performs in the, the chicken costume and chicken George. And he, he's in the same postcode where, where I live, which is the LA postcode. Um, and and you know he 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 was very involved in in that type of stuff, and it was just what people's take was on, on what you know the city when the city speaks means to them. I know one of the Transvoya projects we had there was a ship based in one of the docks in in Liverpool, and that was used as a performance space. So it was almost like we did this sixties style performance art where um, we partly produced canvases and then we got the audience to to reinterpret the art and add their bits to it. And, you know, there was things like that. So there was that aspect to it. There was individual artists like yourself that come from a different city in a different country and your interpretation on what that sort of, sort of meant. And I think, you know, a lot of stuff like, you know, the, the come state side was, you know, you could see in your work, you know, that you, you are the city that doesn't sleep. Things like that came came out from it. So it's quite interesting because everybody interpreted it slightly differently. Yeah, I have very fond memories dialoguing mm. with you about this particular subject. Um, it's in keeping once again with the idea of the urban, the socio-urban, the socio-cultural and you've done an in-depth amount of research on this. But what I'm interested also is in the psychology of the artist. I reference the um, child as an artist. I think about Alice Miller's book, Drama of the Gifted Child, the beginning of the art neurosis before the art conditioning. Um, what are your thoughts about your childhood um, and how you came about the conditioning or the acquiring, uh, the acquisition of the neurosis as an artist, um, your thoughts on how you conceptualized things and, 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 and the ideas of formulating an idea or sense of what was and is art as a child. 
I, th I think I was always aware that, you know, the inner city and, and being close to the city centre, it was always different. I mean, in the 80s in Liverpool, there was riots, the Toxteth riots, there was things like that when I was still at school. So that sort of shapes your, your view on, on you know, what you produce go, going forward. I was always, Liverpool was always, um, it was run down by the then Tory government, um, the Conservatives, um, um, I remember going past Liverpool's waterfront and the docks and there's a place called Albert Dock and there was just chains everywhere. You know, it was it was a really run down um, sort of waterfront dockside place that no one used anymore. So we got European money and it's now like a, a shopping centre and a, a cultural hub for art. And, you know, there's restaurants, there's that type of thing. And it evolved for, from that. So for me, um sort of as I evolved and got older you know my city evolved and, and you know I think a lot of when the city speaks and a lot of how I've evolved as an artist has been incorporating that and things that have happened good and bad you know in, in my past and my history and my understanding you know with relevance to psychology um you brought up the Asperger's syndrome the autism <laughs> syndrome and um we're, not many people are knowing of this condition. Please, if you can, share with me what it's like to have this diagnosis and how it affects your biochemistry and the environment overall. I mean, somebody, and I can't remember who it is now off the top of my head, said no two autistic people are the same. And, and that's true. And and it took me, I was a very late diagnosis. Um, but I've always been aware that as a female, you know, I'm, I'm a bit like, I don't like to go to parties too much. I don't like being in crowds and things. And I think sort of me pulling back and uh, like recent artwork where I'm focusing on the heat and on the wood, on the textures that's very much that sort of condition coming out i think um because i think i mentioned earlier textures really affect me if i wear certain walls it, it really irritates me um in, in in a busy environment i don't like crowds i'll like shopping in, in a city center i'll go very early in the morning so i'm not around the crowd so there's always a work around and and sometimes your mind, what my mind is, it's always working overtime to plan the next day. I don't like sudden changes and impromptu things. Um, that can cause me a lot of like distress. So, um, you know, I like sort of planning, planning things out. And I think that's why concepts like when the Sissy Speaks came about, because I was walking the city streets on my terms Um which is, you know, important maybe for someone on the autism spectrum. Sometimes you're in your mindset's a little bit different from everybody else. You're in a bit of a different world to everybody else. So um, I think that comes out in the art a little bit. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite fascinating to yeah. have this invitation into that world. And I think you've explained it quite well. Um I'd like to think in terms of your art education that some some part of it is almost non-conventional because yeah. of your involvement in history and politics. How does that present some sort of psychological shield from the artist's sensitive nature? How does knowledge of history and politics kind of condition you outside of art in a sense, and yet facilitate art as well yeah it did um 
And as I say, I've, I've probably, it could even be the condition itself. I've always had an eclectic mix of sorts of interests. Uh, but I've always been fascinated with things like family history, sense of place, where I've come from. And I think, again, that it, everything seems to come back to when the city speaks, because I know I've had conversations with you and Gaynor about how I always put like a cityscape in the background. Obviously, it's an abstract one. There's nearly always that. that that's a common theme in sort of my work. And, and I think it's because, you know, the city does speak within me. It's always there, past, present, future, you know. Um, and because and I've always had that interest in, in my family history, past history of, of of the place where I live and that, that type of thing, it's almost been like my obsession because sometimes people with my condition get fixated on things. That's one of the things I get fixated on. And, you know, my history, where I've come from, my sense of place. Um, and I think that comes out a lot, you know, in the work. Yeah, you were asked in an interview um, to explain your abstract paintings and you chose the path of chaos theory to explain yeah. your work. Share with me your thoughts on chaos theory. I think at the time I had a series of paintings called Chaos Theory and, and stuff. Uh, and to me, I think I was undiagnosed at that point and, and the whole world, that city, was chaotic to me and I think that came out but I also sort of tied that in with, with you know chaos theory randomness that type of that type of thing and I think it was me trying probably looking back retrospectively now probably trying to understand my condition and and why I pick certain themes in, in art but at the time I was blissfully unaware of it you know and I think now looking back you know you've got that sort of you, you can look back you've got that that view of what what happened and how you 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 know chose certain projects and stuff and i think it was sort of me evolving you know yeah yeah definitely your paintings your work as a painter overall and your role as an artist um you almost take on this label of not wanting to be categorized not wanting to be labeled in some sort of a secure space what are your thoughts on labels and the idea of not being um, categorized as one thing? Because you do so much. Um, how about that aspect of your role as an artist, not being labeled? Yeah, I think I've always sort of been like that. Again, it could be related to, to, to that condition, but I just you know, follow sort of what, so if it's woodwork, I'm interested in that. I like abstracts because I don't like anything to look how it is. I And I always used to argue when I was younger um, and it wasn't sort of a very critical artistic argument, but I'm talking when I was much younger, like in school and I'd be like, well, if I wanted to paint like that, what, you can take a photograph, you know, and, and that was my argument. And that's probably the asperges coming out, you know, uh, because I like to capture the textures. I like to capture how, like, a certain project, what it means to me. Um, and, and you know, for instance, when the city speaks, there'll be all different textures to it. It might be a fly poster included in something. It might be something graffitied over. And I think I'm trying to sort of, in that particular work, you know, uh, and encapsulate uh, what the city is and what that means to me. And I think the eclectic work sort of comes out and, and not being labelled from that way. I very much absorb what's going on around me and I try and interpret that, you know, and I think that's maybe why that comes about, you know. 
Yeah, yeah. And uh, as much as you express yourself as a painter, there's also the performative aspect of your career. Um, what are your thoughts on painting versus performance? The idea of a canvas and the image within that canvas and the staging of when the city speaks. What yeah. are your thoughts on performance versus painting? Well, as you know, we go back to Gainer. Gainer was known um, for, for a lot of things, but one of them being mainly a performance artist. And I think having spent time with her, she presented maybe doing a performance element to it. I hadn't really thought of it. So I've got to give the whole credit to, to Gainer. But then I just, I think the way I interpret art and, and how I see things, it was just another extension. So obviously there was nerves and what can I do? And 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 one of them was almost like this happening, what I explained before, where I'd partly prepared these canvases and then we, we'd done a narrative. I'd written a narrative for When the City Speaks, which Gainer narrated. And I came on as the artist with these canvases and got the audience to get involved. And, and we, you know, that was part of a narrative, a, you know, visual art and getting others involved in a, in a performance setting as well. So it sort of evolved in an interesting way, you know. Definitely, definitely. But performance was never never sort of my thing. I think it was more watching Gaynor and George and getting involved. And I thought, well, yeah, I could probably do that. But I think I've got to give the credit there to Gaynor for that. <laughs> yeah, I think um, we were all influenced one way or another by Gaynor's role as a performance artist to even have me now doing yeah. performance art for the Sentience Project. <laughs> uh, we've spoken quite a bit about your role as an artist. Um, how about the idea of being a curator? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Um, putting on that cap, sharing thoughts about your curatorial work. It was something I sort of just fell into, like I explained about the cafe. And then when I got involved with Transvoyer and other art groups, I took it a little bit more seriously because almost, you know, you're you're you've got all these people who, who you know got these expectations for their art and 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 you know you've you've got to sort of plan it out. You've got to have the show, you've got to have a, a platform to sort of deliver that that type of work. And I, it was just something, again, that I evolved into. At first, I didn't. I was a lot younger. I didn't take it seriously. I just offered a friend, oh, yeah, I can, I'll curate in the cafe. And it was just, oh, yeah, you know, it was almost like this yes person. Yes, I'll do it. And I did it. And then it was sort of evolved when I got involved with these these other groups. You know, it was a bit more structured and very different from the work that we showed in the cafe. And it was something I, I literally did just fall into, you know. And then, as you know, when we did the loft space project in the house, um, again, I, I curated that. It, it was sort of my concept to to give people that platform in this small little loft attic. I think you call it attic in the States, don't you? You know, um, and, and give people these these one man shows. Um, the 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 they had a platform to sort of show the work on, and the work again 
in, in true sense with me. Um, it was very eclectic, very different work. Yours was very different from someone I w- used to work with who, who showed pictures of sort of maritime history in the past. Then there was something Gainer came up with, a concept she did. Somebody else like George is very colourful paintings. He, he brought them in. I did this mad collage, which represented past history and items that were found and old family photographs and it was a bit of a collage you know collage and 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 yeah it was it was all everybody's work was very very different when we were got involved in that sort of project and I think that's sort of how I evolved as well as a as a curator it was more like I'd fell into it rather than I'd chosen to do it you know what I like a lot about what you've been talking about is your giving of the general public a space, you know, giving the artists a space to to grow, to to manage the possibilities of their work being exposed. But then there's also the audience aspect of um, a performance or a show. You've worked as a playwright and uh, you've done theater studies, um, imaginative writing. What has that been like for you in your past, veering into the aspect of theater? I think for me, it it's all connected. And again, it could be the, the condition. I just sort of do projects that I like doing, you know, um, and, and I think sort of a lot of people did feel limited. And whether it's my condition, that, that I sort of don't tell. But I'll I'll sort of write even in, in a little bit of an abstract way. Sometimes it's the third person thing, you know, there's the narration of like when the city speaks. So that's an aspect of of that as well. Um and I think it's something in I want to go back to the the, the sort of writing, but I th- I think I've had to evolve. As, a, as an artist, as a person, experience life and get older. And and I remember being offered, oh God, years ago, by somebody on, on a British radio programme to do a radio play. And I was 19 at the time. And I said to her, I'm, and again, it must be the Asperger's thing. I'm much too young. I've got an experience like before writing. And this woman at the same time is going through scripts she's read. And I said, why have you got two piles? She said, they're the ones I'm not going to bother with. They're the ones I might consider later. She said, and I'm asking you. And I think you should come with me to London and and do, you know, do this play. But I, I sort of bottled out of it. I was frightened. And I told her, you know, very honestly, I don't think I've got enough life experience to write stuff and shit. Well, you might not need that because I like what you write. And I should have went along with it, but I, you know, I backed out. So who knows what, what might have come of that, Kofi? Yeah, <laughs> I've know? had I've had the experience of the theater world and uh it's a fascinating um, space to be in as an artist. Uh but I think what I realized also in my case is that um I am not conditioned um theatrically, yeah. but as an artist I can express myself that way did you have chances to work with different actors only people who were starting out it wasn't anyone famous or anyone who'd gone through the full theater school it was people who who you know wanted to get into acting and that type of thing so i think there was only one who'd done a little bit of theater work that i got involved in um i had a bit of a dalliance with the the sort of theater world but it never really took off i never really pursued it you know again like you i think um i like that mix of 
I'll dabble in that, but I'll do um, abstract paintings and I'll do a collage and I'll do a performance piece. I could never be pinned down to do stuff. And I think, you know, that's a good thing, but it's a bad thing as well, you know? Yeah, it definitely is. Um, we started off this conversation talking about this year and the past year, and there's so much of a heightened political climate that we're experiencing right now all the wars and things of that nature um does that seep into your conscience at all as an artist do you tend to worry about the political climate there's some who believe that if you're an artist and you're not concerned with the political climate then you're not really an artist what are your thoughts on that i i don't know i think you know the fact that i studied um politics and history as a joint honours degree. <laughs> I'm always interested and concerned. And being from the inner city, there's always the, the sort of worry because there's a disparity of whether you're wealthy or you're not about life choices you have, whether people argue that or not. Uh, you, you sometimes do get opportunities, but not as much as if you've got the wealth to to sort of pursue certain things. And, and I've always been very aware of that. Um, and I think, you know, following on from the pandemic and, and, and you know, scares there, I think people have been frightened to go back to work, to go back to experience life. So I don't think, you know, the, I'd say the past almost five years, we've all experienced all over the world some, like, like almost a fear. And one of my concepts, funny enough, I don't know whether I've, I might not have even mentioned it again, I was going to suggest a piece of work that, that we do about fear, you know, um, I've got, got to sort of develop that, but that comes out from, you know, we went from the pandemic to being frightened to socialise, to go out, the way people go to work, you know, working at home contracts, people um, not going to the local coffee shop because they're frightened, they'd rather order uh, online or that type of thing. Um, and we're in an interesting period and I think it comes from fear. So, you know, I'm, I'm coming up with a concept of, you know, we're post that. But there's wars and things going on. There's scary things going on in the world. Um, and I, it's something I want to explore, you know, for, for us as a group. But I've not quite got there what, what I want to get from it yet, you know. And it's the overall concept of life, right? Some people believe yeah. life is art and art is life. I'm of the mindset that life is life and art is art. I can try to separate the two. What are your thoughts on that? The idea of life and art, do they connect or are they separate? But both, they both connect and they're both separate as well. Uh, and it d depends, they can be separate when you're doing your work and, and you're doing your artwork or, or, or that type of thing. But whatever goes around, it's the zeitgeist thing, isn't it? The spirit of the age. So, you know, you think of particularly when we watch films, think of, especially stateside, Vietnam, the psychedelic area, the anti-war, the, the Vietnam War, things that were going on there. Uh, I just think the period we've just recently lived through will be something that that will be mentioned in the future, like 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 sort of that. Um, and so I don't think, in that sense, you can't separate both either as well. So it's a bit of both. So you can and you can't. You know, I know that's not like a concrete answer, but uh, it it depends on your interpretation of of um, what's going on and whether it's you're applying it to your artwork. But I think for for like real life, there's a bit of both. You know. Yeah, I um, brought up the political climate, but there's such a strong heightened sense of the political climate in the UK. Ever since the UK departed from the European um, Union, 
there's been a, a drive to bring awareness to the problems and situations affected by the move made prominent in the our practices and promotion of research. How has Brexit overall affected the um, conscience of the artist, that idea of funding opportunities for arts organizations? How has that played about in, in the, in the when, UK? When you think of my, my city, there was a, a type of funding called European Objective One money. My, when I explained earlier about when I remember as a very young child going past Albert Dock and it all being chains and all industrial and all like a, a sort of port that wasn't used and just locked up. That European Objective One money turned that round and turned it into a shopping, what, what you Americans call a sort of shopping mall where there's restaurants where people come to visit the city for and, and that type of thing. So there was good things about Europe and I can understand why some British people wanted to be emancipated from that, usually more wealthier people, um, and, and they wanted to, to sort of break away. Um, fr from that, and it sort of almost created a bigger divide in, in in the country, depending on where you sit on the 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 political uh, spectrum. Um, and you know, people are constantly talking in the UK about living through this cost of living crisis. There's been like um, trade unions who've um, in in the public sector, civil service departments, uh, trains, that type of thing, rail. Um, people, you know, asking for more money, nurses, because they've only been getting like 1% pay rises or or under 5% figures, uh, and they've been talking about austerity and that type of thing. Meanwhile, giving massive tax breaks to the, the, the ma massively wealthy people. Um, so it's creating more of a disparity. So Brexit sort of heightened that. So depending on where you sit on the political spectrum, you're going to have a different view. But it's almost like... It feels dystopian rather than bleak. <laughs> you feel yeah. like you're living through a dystopian novel, you know? Yeah. Well, the dystopian novel landscapes, the gothic, the mythical, the realistic. Uh, British art has been known for quite a lot of things. Thinking yeah. about Turner, Francis Bacon, Lucian Freud, David Hackney. How are your views of British art different now as compared with where we come from with William Blake and the sort? Yeah. Well, I think probably, you, you know, uh, you think our more immediate memory is of the young British artists who were around the 90s, 2000s. And, you know, they, they did a lot of, like, Damien Hirst, you know, people like that. They, they, we, we, that's in our, like, recent history. And and then you think you know you think back to some of the artists sort of you mentioned, and it, it's funny. Um, I don't know. It's almost like since the pandemic and since sort of people being frightened to go out, the probably is art there, but it's almost like people have just locked themselves away and it's not there. And I feel like we're now at the other end of that way. Even though there's there's wars and there's conflict going on and there's there's, there's been the Brexit thing and there's you know, scary feelings and things. People are a bit like, you know, thinking, oh, I haven't got that much money to spend in the UK and that type of thing. I think it times like that can create a good sort of breeding ground for art. You know, it's how people are going to interpret it. But I think we'll see that going forward in the future, you know, how people have interpreted these times. Well, that's a very promising way to wrap up everything we've been talking about. Um yeah. 
I want to thank you for this moment. As far as the rest of the year is concerned, um, what do you have planned? I think we might be able to connect again via the Gainer connection, but uh, what are your thoughts on the rest of the year and what to expect? Well, I'm definitely going to propose that fear project and, and see what comes about that, discuss it with people like yourself and Gainer and, and see how we can sort of evolve that and, and if it's going to be a relevant sort of concept for, for the group. Um, other than that, my work, the way it's gone forward these days, I'm, I'm sort of making things like industrial shelves, working with wood, which is something I've never really done in the past. I've always sort of just kept it to the home domain. And I've always, um, ever since we were little, my sister and I, you know, we'd watch like our dad um, and he'd be really good around the house and with DIY and fixing the house up. And I think sort of my art's going towards that, you know, making practical things, whether it's the times we're living in that's made me do that and, and following on from lockdown and, you know, people being a little bit more frugal in the in the UK. As it come out of that, I don't know, but Gainer seems to think it's enough to put in the exhibitions because, you know, I started doing a lot of woodwork and stuff that I've never really done in an art for it, if you like, be before I've done it in the home domain. Um, so yeah, that that I think it'll be interesting for me because my work will go in a completely different direction again, Kofi. So exactly what you picked up on. Well, I'm looking forward to connecting again along the way. And it's been such a pleasure to talk to you, Joe. Yeah. Oh, nice speaking to you, Kofi.